This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Amber. And I'm Jessie. And this is Glowing in Tech, sponsored by Makers. So today, we have a very interesting topic. It is... The roots into tech. Let's start from the beginning. You did an economics degree. Yeah. At what point did you realize, I don't want to be an economics babe anymore. I want to be a tech babe. Ooh, that's a very good question, (laughs) girl. So it was actually during my mergers and acquisitions internship in 2018. Mm -hmm. So I did an internship in Madrid. And I had a mentor who told me about, you know, when you work in finance, you're going to have these exams. And if you don't pass one of them, then you'll be fired. And babes, one thing about me, I don't have time. So mm-hmm. I was not trying to, the thing is, my degree was so hard in general, let alone for me to be graduating, to be working full time, doing those financial exams, and then also with the consequence knowing that if I don't pass this, then my job is gone. Mm-hmm. The whole reason I went to university was for job security. That is called job insecurity. Mm-hmm. So um, that I was talking to like a couple people. I actually went to Barcelona. And I met this guy who was digital nomad. He was saying about how his kettle was connected to like, he wrote a script on Python and like he could like run his script when he was like on the bus to turn his kettle on. Mm-hmm. Just something just super random like that. And um, he was like, you should learn how to code. You can be a digital nomad like me. And so it's like, I'm not even seeing these people on social media. I'm actually meeting this man in the flesh. Yeah. And that's what he's saying. And I was like, okay, this coding thing could be a vibe. And at the time, so it was 2018, there was a whole digital nomad flex. Mm. And I was like, I'm going to be one of these cheeky people. Mm-hmm. They look like they're having the time of their lives. Mm-hmm. And that's when I found Code First Girls. And that was my first route into tech. Awesome. So let's talk about you, Jesse. When did you realize that you didn't want to be a... Oh, what were you? That's <laughs> 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 the thing. I don't, I've already been a few things. Yeah. So, um, I did a psychology degree and didn't know what I wanted to do after. Decided I didn't want to go into public health and um, ended up kind of doing a few different jobs. So a lot of bar work and also I was a teaching assistant at a primary school. And then I found CybeSafe, um, which was a tech startup very early days then. Um, and they were looking for people to join the sales department. Mm. So I had no sales experience, but I thought I'd give it a shot because I loved the, the idea and the values of the company. And it was there that like I then moved into like post-sales, customer success, and got to work really closely with engineers. Yeah. But before that, I had no idea what a software engineer was. I did not know it was something that was possible without mm. going to uni to do it. Yeah. Like I didn't know that that was a, uh, something that was available to me. So it was a lot of Googling and then finding coding black females and mm. figuring out, because um, the devs at work had done a little intro to Python five week course based on the CFG course. Okay. Um, and yeah, it was kind of like from there, I was like, yeah, I'm hooked. I want to do this. Was um, it love at first function? It was love at first <laughs> function. That's exactly what it was. I love that. <laughs> I think what we should talk about now is we both had a very similar background but at the same time as us learning, we were really involved in um, like online communities that were learning. Mm. So we tried to do 100 days of code. But, <laughs> <then> we <laughs> 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 but 
It's okay, we'll go into it later. Yeah, we'll go into that later. <laughs> oh, trying and failed, honey. Like, <laughs> did I do all 100 days? How many rounds have I done of 100 days of code? I just want to know. Yeah, if you know, then please let us know. Yeah. I would like to know. <laughs> um, no, but um, it was really helpful, I think, having the ability to look to a lot of content and read a lot about other people who had done something similar to us. And now, just in the few years since we've been engineers, I'm seeing apprenticeships, I'm seeing government funded things, yeah. I'm seeing like so many different routes in. Um, and I think that's something that we should be really excited about because I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I think it's one thing. Um, so the typical route is obviously to do a computer science degree mm -hmm. and that's still a very respected route. I don't want to come across as that. Mm -hmm. Like it's not as respected, it definitely is. But I think the message is more the fact that it's not the only route that you can take. Yeah. So so for so long, uh, even in my job applications, it'd be like, must come from a computer science degree. Yeah. So it's definitely a still res a very well respected thing. But I just want for the people who haven't studied that and think, oh, can I be a software engineer? Can I learn how to code? Will I land that role? You definitely can. Like me and Jesse are both prime examples of people who have who have landed roles without having a computer science degree mm -hmm. and also have not done a full-time boot camp yeah. because that's a big thing as well. Yeah. So one route is definitely the computer science degree. Another route is for sure a boot camp. And if you're taking that route, I would highly recommend for you to research into the various different boot camps, the reviews and also the curriculum and make sure that's absolutely right for you. Definitely. And also don't be afraid of doing as much as you can before you yes. start and commit to a bootcamp because there are so many resources, there are so many things online that will provide you with that foundational knowledge, not necessarily for you to land the role, but for you to figure out, oh, I really enjoy mm. front end, I really enjoy back end. And that's something that took me a while in my first role to figure out, but I think you can do so much of that research earlier on. Yes, and also you don't need a bootcamp or like anything else for you to have someone else to do that with. Yeah. So in my, in my experience, I actually did a makers event. I think it was called like the Code Accelerator event. And that's when I met my friend Kashana, mm -hmm. who's also on the podcast. So be sure to tune into her episode. And that's where we actually decided to team up and code every day together for like three, like three to six weeks. Um, and that was just super helpful in terms of having someone else to pair with, having, having someone else to like work through certain challenges that I was having. So I didn't know how to approach coding problems on code wars for example mm -hmm. you know and just having someone else to do that with was extremely helpful so even if you are taking the self like study route it still doesn't mean that it has to be completely alone yeah. you can lean into various different communities and pair up with other people you can form your own groups um because you literally do not have to do this alone anymore no absolutely and what i'm really excited to get into this season is not only the different routes you can take, yep. but also the different ways that you can take that career and change it up as you go along. Yes. Like, um, oh, that's cool. Even with robotics, we're going to have someone talking about a robotics career. Yep. She didn't start in that. She started um, in a, like more of an engineering role and then kind of transitioned through. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's really exciting about tech is don't feel like you're committing to that career for yes. the whole thing. Like you, you can switch it up like and figure out what you like as you go. Exactly. And I think one thing that I was really concerned about when I first joined was do I want to do front end? Do I want to do back end? Do I want to do full stack? Oh, do I want to be a data scientist? Do I want to be a data analyst? Like, do I want to work in cybersecurity? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. And I get a lot of questions asking me, 
what route should I take? How do you know? And the answer actually is, you don't actually know. So right now I'm doing front end, I'm enjoying front end, but there could be a great career in robotics that I haven't explored. Mm -hmm. And I don't actually know that this is my like quote unquote dream career. Mm -hmm. I think it's just so important to go through the process. So as you know, like I worked as a data analyst for a bit. I was working a lot with Python and pandas and doing things like that. Um, but I realized that while I was in the role that I really wanted to be a software engineer. Like I was kind of compromising because it was during the pandemic mm. and babes, <laughs> applying for jobs during the pandemic wasn't the one. Yeah, it was a struggle. It was a struggle. And also I wanted to give myself the opportunity to explore various different career paths. Mm -hmm. And so one of them was being a data analyst. And I realized that I just want to build I just want to build things mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. um so i think that you can give yourself space to actually learn on the role as well Absolutely. and knowing that you can always change you can upskill yourself okay i've got a question for you if there was one thing that you would tell yourself in that data analyst role who was dreaming about software engineer like what would that one piece of advice be i think the one piece of advice be would be that just because things aren't happening in your time doesn't mean that won't happen in time. Yeah. So like I was putting so much pressure on myself, like I want to find a software engineer role tomorrow. <laughs> like it should have been yesterday, but these things take time and that's okay. Remember that coding is a very difficult skill, like to, to do, like it's a very difficult thing to do. And sometimes I would almost act like anyone could do this. Like I should be able to get all this by tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to, spend all these hours on code wars practicing. I shouldn't have to do all these applications, but that's what comes with it. Mm -hmm. Like it is a challenging thing to learn and to not put so much pressure on myself to get it tomorrow, but just to trust in the process and whatever it is for me won't miss me. You know, like sometimes I would be applying for jobs and babes, when I say I've failed some interviews, wow. <laughs> sometimes I'd come up with interviews and I would actually just be screaming because I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know anything. And when you get into that place, you have to, it's hard to come out of it, but like when you do come down, it's just realizing that you do know things, like you don't know absolutely nothing. And so I would say that focus on what you do know. And also to, I learned this later on, but to use interviews as a learning opportunity into how I can be better next time. Mm -hmm. So remember I told you about the Git commands, mm -hmm. babes. When she said, name me some Git commands, I had no answers. Imagine in an interview, I said, oh, um, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> like, and I just had to be vulnerable in that moment and say, I didn't know, because who, who am I to create Git commands on the top of my head? <laughs> you took a very interesting route into your career as a software engineer. Can you tell us about what it was like to transition from customer success, how you balanced a full-time role with also learning part-time with the Get Into Tech scheme, and what was like when you, like, how did you actually apply to your software engineering role internally? Yeah. So I felt, um, yeah, as soon as I had had that little taster of an intro to Python, I was like, yeah, this is what I want to mm. do. How do I do it? So once I got onto the get into tech scheme, and that was like two evenings a week, I think I was so excited about the prospect of being an engineer that I didn't mind the hours because we put in a lot of hours. Mm. Like it, I think the thing that people need to realize with with learning to code from scratch is that you will need to put in mm. that time outside of the classes as well. Um, but I, I definitely felt supported at work. I was very encouraged. Like you know what the engineering team is like. Very sweet mm. and really really supportive. So I think it was a helpful thing for me to be somewhere where. 
I was doing well in my customer success job and people were able to see that I was committed and I was determined. And I think that really helped when I switched into my first engineering role. So I did have to do an interview. I had to present a, a project that I'd done and have a technical assessment and mm. have engineers ask me questions about it. Um, and that went well, but it's like the bit after that, like I don't think anyone prepares you for like the difference between mm -hmm. writing like your exercises and doing your side projects for like joining an existing code base yep. and having to read hundreds of lines of other people's code to understand what the hell is going on and start contributing. So I remember feeling like, I don't know how the hell I'm gonna get yes. into this. Like I don't know what's going on. And that kind of overwhelm, I think, um, you put a lot of pressure on yourself to perform anyway, but also being somewhere where you're like, I don't know, you want to start, you're grateful for the opportunity, so you want to start delivering. So there's all this kind of pressure, but I think having the space and time and like mm. kind of like support from somewhere where I already knew these people, I was already working with them for a while. I knew they knew that I was trying my best. Yes. Like that all of that made growing like a little bit easier, I think. I think it was just a little bit less scary. But what was it like for you because you went straight into a big corporate bank? Wait, I actually want to ask you a question about that. Yeah. Because I think that one, the conversation of moving internally isn't spoken enough. Mm. And secondly, it's more of a case of you came from a role that you knew that people knew that you were high performing at. Mm -hmm. So how did you transition from, okay, I'm known for being good at my job to now feeling like <laughs> I'm in this new role and I know nothing. And I need and everyone's help. I need everyone's help and I'm not contributing in the same way. Because you, realistically, you're, you can't be contributing no, no. in the same way. And so how did you navigate that? Yeah, it's tricky, but you're not expected to. Like it's, people, high performers put themselves under that pressure, but you're not expected to contribute. It's your first engineering yep. role. Like you are just a big sponge for a while. You need to absorb yes. all that information. So I think that was a key part of like, that was a key learning lesson, I think. I definitely had some hard days. I was like, I'm never gonna get this, I'm taking mm. so long. But I think um, it's just, you need to accept that you can't always contribute code on the first day, in the first week, in the first, like, I don't know how- In the first second. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember how long it took me to do my first PR, but it, I think knowing that, coming from customer success, mm -hmm. I very much had the voice of the customer in my head all the time. Yes. And just bringing that to meetings was like some way that I could contribute value and asking those questions because you're getting to see things at an earlier stage mm -hmm. than the success team would see yep. or um, sales or anybody. So being in those engineering rooms and saying, oh, I know customers had al have asked mm. for this thing or that doesn't really make sense because I've seen people use it in this way. Just those little things, I think, asking those questions, are we sure we're doing it like, or not even to, yeah, just asking clarifying questions yes. and representing the customer, I think were ways that I was able to kind of like demonstrate value or feel yeah. like I was contributing. Um, yeah. And that's the beauty of transferable skills, right? Mm. So you don't leave your role and leave the skills behind you. Like you left your role as a customer success executive person. Yeah. Yeah. Person, I don't know what they are, <laughs> but in customer success, but she also managed to bring those same skills to make her a great engineer. So one thing I want listeners to hear, especially if you're career switching, is that those skills don't leave you. Yeah. Like they, they, you still bring them with you in your engineering role and it, it helps you, how do I say this properly? But it's like, it helps you to stand out. You bring a new element to the conversation and you're able to challenge ideas to make product products or whatever you're working on even better yeah so yeah so my advice would definitely be to see that as a strength 
because it is one, yeah. you know, like the conversations that you're starting, maybe an engineer that has just gone through the same career path and hasn't done customer success wouldn't necessarily think of that. Yeah. But you've now brought that to the conversation. At least you're, you're like, it's being discussed. There's certain yeah. things are being discussed in yeah. rooms where it maybe wouldn't have come up or people wouldn't have thought about it. So yeah, so definitely mem remember that transferable skills are a thing and it's very real. And I definitely felt like, oh, my economics degree is wasted. <laughs> like, all my like stuff before, like, I'm not using that now. But there's so many things I've learned from my degree, from previous, like, internships I've had, previous jobs that I've had in retail that have come to help me in my current yeah. role now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so th they don't leave you. And how about you? How was it, like, going to a completely new big corporation without any but like I had the security and safety of all my colleagues there mm. it wasn't everything wasn't new for me but what would it, what was it like for you first uh, engineering role I love that I didn't have a reputation really? I'll be honest <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest because the way I would have been Jesse managed to thrive but for me if I already know that these people know me for this it would have been very hard for me to navigate that so I like the fact that it was a fresh start and they were just surprised about like how much I wanted to do and how much I could do. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was it was a bit overwhelming <laughs> mm -hmm. because it was a huge organization. Like, but I think the great thing that I had personally was someone to work with very closely. So I was pairing a lot with them, and they happened to know a lot. Uh, but that also put I put pressure on myself because babes, they weren't Googling. Like they just knew mm -hmm. things off yeah. the top of their head. And they had like, what, two or three years experience. So it's not even like you can say they've been coding for 20 years. Like yeah. they had, they just knew things. And sometimes I would be like, how do you know this? And they'll be like, oh, well, I did this the other day or, oh, I did that. But it's just like, it made me feel like I need to know everything because she was such an impressive engineer. Like she was just so good. And was this a computer science grad? This was a computer science yeah. grad. <laughs> yeah, she was just super impressive. And it was really good because I learned so much so quickly. Sometimes I underestimate. So, okay, so one thing that came up a lot when I was learning how to code was my best ways of working. Mm. And that was really hard. <laughs> that was really hard for me to work out because I was like, how do I learn? Like, do I want to write notes? Like, do I want to type notes? Do people write notes full stop when they're learning how to code? Should I be um, doing projects? And I found it quite hard to do projects alone. Mm. Um, I kind of got stuck in tutorial hell because you know you're watching tutorial, like they're doing it right. And like, it felt like when I was doing it, I was just doing it wrong. And I didn't have the support or like the network to really lean into yeah. when I was going I, through that. I can't learn through tutorials either. I think I get, I just switch off if I'm watching one. It just depends which one it is. Josh yeah. Kamal. Shout out to you, because his tutorials, wow. <laughs> like, his tutorials are interactive, and, like, and it's like working out what kind of resources serve best for me. Mm -hmm. If it's a video, I'm gonna switch off, I'll be honest. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll just doze off, but like, if it's something like Codecademy, I loved Codecademy. I love a yeah. cheeky read, yeah. I like the exercises, I like the fact that you can watch a video if you get stuck. So yeah, but it's also interactive. It's yeah. also interactive. They also have community built into it if you get the pro membership. So me and Amber both met on a boot camp right at the 
peak of the pandemic, I want to say, March 2020. No, Jesse, oh, it was so awkward. This is so awkward because it was <laughs> actually in, you know when you have a couple story? Um, it was actually in <laughs> January 2021. Oh so we started off with an immersive week where it was kind of intensive. It was Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Yes. And we were actually first groups together. That's very sweet. It was just so romantic. And we were grouped together again. And so after the first week, it was about 15 weeks, I'd like to say, mm-hmm. um, just of like part-time learning. So it was on a Tuesday, we'd have sessions from six to eight. And on a Thursday, we'd have like a check-in session with our instructor. And that was really beneficial. So at the time, during our immersive week, we did HTML, CSS, and Python. And we did, of course, Git. And how did you find that session? It was really tricky. Like, I think it was difficult. Uh, Git is one of the version control and Git is a massively difficult concept to introduce to new people. But I think um, we had the benefit of going through it in a group and having a community to kind of go through it with. People, when I say that I tried to learn Git alone, that didn't work out for me. So it was great to be in an environment where I could ask questions and actually push and pull with someone else. Yeah. So I remember me and Jesse were just pushing and pulling. And for some reason, by some miracle, we just got it. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Like, mm-hmm. we just got it. It just worked somehow. I was using Git desktop, which is basically just not the same as actually like using it in the terminal and actually using I don't think there's anything terminal wrong with it, commands. Like, I know some of the most impressive devs I know still use the GUI to use version control. Yeah. But, but I'm I do just saying it's the not the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason yeah. why I bring that up is because I was using the terminal, uh, sorry, the desktop version. And in an interview, I remember being asked, name me some Git commands. Darling, I don't know. I've just been doing the, I've just been doing the GUI. I've just not been, I have not been using, I've not been using the terminal. I've not been using any, like, I didn't know what Git add was, like Git commits. I just was, I was running on vibes. So yeah, that was really beneficial to actually learn about. And I use it every day, like in my role currently as well. Yeah, something that I wanted to ask you about that was different. So my first engineering role was at a startup. I joined a very small engineering team Mm -hmm. and I wanna know kind of how you felt in your first role in such a massive place. Yeah, I feel like it was a huge organization. Um, But the great thing about about that was the fact that there were so many people that I could talk to. Mm -hmm. I think, my problem was, especially in a virtual and remote environment, mm. I found it quite daunting to reach out to people because I felt like, oh, I don't want to burden them. Cause you can't, it's hard to read the vibes. It's very hard to read a room in a virtual environment. So I think that if I could go back, I would say, just ask the question, like mm. set up some one-to-one meetings and some coffee chats with these people because I almost felt like there was a lot more people that I could have asked questions to and paired with and but I didn't do that because I was just nervous. And I was like, as a high performer, I didn't want to seem like I didn't know anything, but that also hindered my growth because I could have reached out to so many people, worked on different things and had a lot more learning opportunities. But because I couldn't do that, because I just felt nervous, mm. I didn't actually utilize all the resources that I had at the time. No, absolutely. I think it's a really intimidating thing to do. And I think, um, you'll massively accelerate your learning as soon as you let go of those things, right? Yes. Like, okay, I'm ready to learn, which is what I love about what we're able to do because with these conversations that we're gonna be having, we're gonna be talking to people who are industry experts, but also more junior and understanding exactly what they're using to learn and how they're managing to grow. 
I am so excited for this upcoming season, season two of the Glowing in Tech podcast. The careers season. We'll be speaking to a variety of women in the tech industry about their careers, the different routes that they took to get there and the industries that they're in. They'll also be sharing their career challenges and of course, my favorite segment, What's the Tech Tea? Where they'll be spilling their controversial take on something within the tech industry. Available on all major podcast platforms. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.